We hope you're blessed and encouraged by the following study from Calvary Chapel, Elmani. It's our simple prayer that you would grow stronger and deeper in an intimate and personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Should you have any questions, please feel free to contact us here at Calvary Chapel, Elmani. To Luke chapter 16 today. You know, I'm so blessed that you come, that we come, you know, not to hear the word of man, but to hear the word of God. Isn't that cool? Um, you know, even if I was uh, really old, because I'm not old yet, you know, but even if I was really old, I wouldn't have wisdom to give you. Some people think they have wisdom because they, they lived a, a long time, but you know what? It's the word of God. It's the word of God that we can stand on, that's true, that sanctifies us, that teaches us how to live life and make good decisions. And then those decisions then make us. And so today we come to an important section in which Jesus will teach us who we are. We're a couple of things. Number one, we need to know that we're stewards. And as stewards, we need to live life uh, shrewdly and faithfully. We're going to see that today. And number two, that we're slaves. That's who we are. We're slaves. And we need to love God loyally and sincerely. That's what we learn in God's word today. Look what it says in verse 1. It says that he also said to his disciples. Now he's speaking to his disciples, his you know, followers, that there was a certain rich man who had a steward. And an accusation was brought to him that this man was wasting his goods. And so he called him and said to him, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your stewardship, for you can no longer be steward. And then the steward said within himself, What shall I do? For my master has taken the stewardship away from me. I cannot dig. I'm ashamed to beg. Ah, I've resolved what to do, that when I'm put out of the stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. And so he called every one of his master's debtors to him, and said to the first, How much do you owe my master? He said, A hundred measures of oil. And so he said to him, Take your bill and sit down quickly and write fifty. Then he said to another, How much do you owe? And so he said, A hundred measures of wheat. And he said to him, Take your bill and write eighty. And so the master commended the unjust steward because he had dealt shrewdly. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in their generation than the sons of light. And I say to you, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon, that when you fail, they may receive you into an everlasting home. I read about a story, um, I guess it happened a while back in downtown Los Angeles. Uh, there was a mysterious shooting spree wherein a large number of windows in commercial buildings were blown out by a muted shotgun. Um, there were no injuries, there were no robberies, just a bunch of broken glass. And so the police were perplexed until finally they captured the perpetrator and it turned out to be an owner of a glass company. I, I guess the guy thought he could kind of beat the system. Here we have a steward that was like that. He was, he was ripping off from his master. It says that there in verse 1 that there was an accusation brought to the owner, the certain rich man, that this man was wasting his goods. 
You know, and a lot of times what ends up happening is when people get that authority, they they get that place of prominence. You know, they think that they can do whatever they want with the owner's property, and and they can't. They forget that they're stewards. You see, a steward is someone who manages someone else's wealth. He doesn't own it himself, but he has a responsibility to manage and to use it for his master's profit. And it's vital that the steward remember that wealth and assets and possessions, they all belong to the master and not to him. Not to him personally. So they need to be used in a way that will please and profit the master. And here we read of a steward who was accused of being neglectful and wasteful. It's the same word used prodigal earlier in Luke chapter 15. He wasted his master's possessions, and apparently it was true. And so the master calls him in, and he says, Hey, what's up? What's this that I hear? We will be conducting a full investigation. Get your report in order, because you are about to be fired. And so the steward begins to think to himself there in verse 3, Oh, man, what am I going to do? I can't dig. You know, digging's hard work, huh? I remember when I had a job in construction, and I used to dig. Oh, man. That's hard. He said, I can't dig. And I'm embarrassed to beg. What should I do? And the wills began to turn. He began to talk to himself. He began to think out the whole situation until finally he said, I know what I can do so that when I'm thrown out, I'll be taken in. And so with an element of authority, he calls in. Notice again there in verse 5, you guys, he called every one of his master's debtors to him. He called them all in. And he begins to do what? He begins to wheel and deal. How much do you owe? I owe 800 gallons of oil. Okay, I tell you what. Right now, you just give us 400 gallons, you're good to go. How much do you owe? Oh, 1,000 bushels of wheat. No problem. I'll knock off 20%. Even though we're not making a profit on this, I'll tell you what. I like you. You know what? And you're a good customer. You're a good tenant. I'll tell you what. And apparently he did this with every one of his master's debtors. And so we read in verse... Eight, the master commended the unjust steward because he had dealt shrewdly. And you read that and you're like, whoa, what is that all about? You know, there are some who say that the steward was actually knocking off unbiblical interest. And it's for that reason the steward is commended. But here's the problem with that. The Bible doesn't say that. The Bible doesn't say that that's what took place. As a matter of fact, he gave this guy a 50% discount. He gave this guy a 20% discount. And so you've got to be real careful. You know, some people, they struggle with the concept that this unjust steward, who definitely dealt unjustly, was approved by God. But again, the Bible doesn't say that. It doesn't say God approved his unjust practices. You see, they're missing the point. Because what Jesus is teaching us here is a little different. What Jesus is saying is emphasized there in verse 8 in which he says that the sons of this world are more shrewd in their generation than the sons of light. You see, the master here is the rich man. He was probably a wheeler and dealer. And he sees this guy here, a wheeler and dealer, and he says, man, that rascal, man, he pulled his way out, you know. And what the Lord is saying is, man, these people in the world, they're so dedicated to their kingdom and their cause. Why is it that my people 
are not like that. You see, we're the sons of light. The Bible says that in John 12, verse 36. Ephesians 5, verse 8. 1 Thessalonians 5, 5. We are the sons of light. And what we see is the Lord says, I want you to be like me. Did you know that God was shrewd? Did you guys know that? The Bible says in Psalm 18, verse 26, that with the pure you will show yourself pure, and with the devious you will show yourself shrewd. See, God is shrewd. The same Greek word is translated wise. It speaks of intelligent. It speaks of prudent. It speaks of looking ahead and making decisions that will benefit the cause. You see, a lot of times Christians, they they, they think, well, I don't have to do anything, that I can be some dumb or I can be plumb dumb. And God says, no, mijo, I give you a brain, okay? I want you to use it. And I want you to be wise. I want you to be shrewd. I want you to be intelligent for my kingdom. I want you to be passionate about my cause. I mean, there's this guy over here, Kobe Bryant. He wakes up every morning, 5 o'clock in the morning, to work out and to do his thing, to extend and increase and advance his kingdom. Why is it that a lot of Christians can't do that? They can't wake up and spend time with Jesus and get on their face and on their knees and in their word because they're not as shrewd. They're not as wise. They're not as intelligent. They don't realize that God is wanting us not to talk to themselves. Okay, that's what this guy was doing in verse 3. What should I do? What should I do? I'm in this situation. What should I do? No, but we do talk to God. We talk to God and we pray and we say, Lord, what do I do? Give me eyes to evangelize. How can I win the world to you? You know, because the Bible says that he who wins souls is wise, right? And I don't think it just means that if you win souls, that then you're wise. I, means it, I think it means that through your wisdom, you will win souls, right? I mean, I'm thinking about, okay, what should I put on my license plate frame? This is what I'm thinking. I was talking to the Lord the other day. You know, because I want to minister to people as I'm sitting there at a red light because they're ministering to me, their stuff. I'll tell you what, man, I'm going to tell them about Jesus, man. When they get behind my car, God's going to put them behind my car and I'm going to kick it for a while, right? And they're going to read my license plate. I'm like, Lord, what should I put on there? Oh, I know what. If you feel beat up, look up. Jesus loves you. Maybe, maybe that's what I'll put. I don't know, but I'll tell you what. The wheels are turning. God, how can I be shrewd? How can I win people to you? Because I know what they're doing for their kingdom, and I want to do something for your kingdom. You see, that's what the Lord is teaching us. The Greek word right here to be, means to be mindful of our master's interests. Interesting, the same Greek word is used over in Matthew 10, 16, in which Jesus said this, Behold, I sent you out as sheep among wolves. Therefore, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. If you were to examine your life, would you say that you've been wise as serpents? How? What have you been doing? What type of planning and purposes have been led by the Lord that you can say you've been wise as serpents. That's what Jesus tells us. Here the unjust steward talked to himself, gave up, came up with a plan. We need to be the same way. Because one day we will stand before God and we will give an account. That's what the Bible says. 
You know, it's interesting. In Luke 12, 42, the Bible says, The Lord said, Who then is the faithful and wise steward? Same Greek word, wise steward, phroneo steward. Who then is the faithful wise steward? In other words, God's looking for him. And he says this, Whom his master will make ruler over his household to give them their portion of food in due season. You see, God's looking for the shrewd, wise, intelligent servant. And when God finds that man, he will reward that man. That's what the Bible says. Not crude, not rude, but shrewd, right? The dictionary defines this as an individual having sharp powers of judgment. And the world does it for their kingdom. Jesus says right there in verse 8, For the sons of this world are more shrewd in their generation than the sons of light, and it ought not to be so. Because we have a greater cause, right? And that's why God's encouraging us to be shrewd. William Barclay said, If only the Christian was as eager and ingenious in his attempt to attain goodness as the man of the world is in his attempt to advance his kingdom, then we as Christians would be much better men. John Corson said, we're not as aggressive or as wise in preparing for our eternal future as our worldly colleagues are in preparing for their temporal future. I guess in the end, the question is, am I willing to do for the truth what the world is doing for a lie? You see, when we read the Bible, this is what we learn. Remember, Jesus is speaking to his disciples that we as God's disciples are stewards, therefore we should live shrewdly. Secondly, we are God's stewards, therefore we should live faithfully. Because look what it says right here again in verse 9. And I say to you, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon, that when you fail, they may receive you into an everlasting home. He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much, and he who is unjust in what is leaf is also unjust also in much. Oops, where did I go? Okay. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? Now, in verse 9, um, again, a little tough. You're like, what do you mean make friends? <laughs> with unrighteous mammon. Well, I don't think Jesus is commanding us to buy friends because a friend that can be bought is not a friend, huh? I don't think that's what Jesus is saying. What he's saying to us is that we need to be faithful money managers. And we need to invest into the things of righteousness, into the kingdom of God. And if we do, there will be both temporal and everlasting dividends. And we're going to see that in relationships now and even in relationships then. You see? And that's the challenge. You know, you got a dollar in your pocket. You got five dollars, you know, in your wallet. You're like, I got fifty dollars in my checking account. Some of you have a lot more than that. And it doesn't matter if you have a lot or if you have a little. It doesn't even matter. God wants us to be faithful stewards because who does it belong to? Ultimately, it belongs to him. We read that word faithful there in verse 10 two times. We read it again in verse 11. We read it again in verse 12. 
one day when you stand before God and you give an account, what will God be looking for? Faithfulness. That's all. It doesn't matter. Maybe you didn't make a million dollars. Maybe you didn't make a billion dollars. It doesn't matter. Maybe you didn't own your own home and it wasn't the 2,000 square footer that you were looking for. It doesn't matter. Maybe you have an apartment. You might have a tent. It doesn't matter. What matters is whether or not you are faithful. The Lord says here that that's what it's like when it comes to money. I'm watching you. I'm watching the way that you spend my money. You know, it doesn't belong to us. You know, real quick, just as a quick side note, we are stewards of six things. We are stewards of our treasure. That's God's money. We are stewards of time. That's God's time, not yours. We are stewards of our talents. That's the gifts that we've been given. They need to be given back to him. And we are stewards of our temple. That's our body. So stop eating so many hot Cheetos, okay? (laughs) It's okay to have your cup of coffee, but make sure you have some water during the day. Take care of your temple. Get a little exercise. Time, talent, treasure, temple. Four T's and two G's. We're treasure, we're stewards of the gospel. And we are stewards of our gang. The gospel is the gospel that you know that sets people free. When was the last time you shared the gospel with somebody? It's been given to you, not to hoard, but to give out. Share in the highways and byways and valleys and alleys. God wants us to be stewards of the gospel and he wants us to be stewards of the gang. And you're like, cool, your gang is your family. Take care of them. One day we'll give, stand before God and we'll give an account. And so what the Lord is saying here is, listen, you need to be faithful in these areas. But it's, right now, I'm talking to you about money. And then right here he says in verse 12, again, if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? In verse 11, he says, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? Again, in verse 10, he was faithful in what is least, is faithful also in what is much. You know, it's been said that a man's way of fulfilling a small task is the best proof of his fitness or unfitness with a larger task. This guy over here, he wants to run the business but he can't even run an errand, right? God's saying it's not going to work that way. You know, I was talking to my son because, you know, we gave him $20 of allowance the other day, right? He's all, I'm all, hey, Aaron, you know, we gave you your allowance. He's all, yeah, Dad, it wasn't much. I'm all, hey, you know, didn't, didn't do that much this week anyways. Here's the way it works. God's watching you to see if you put in your $2. Did you know that? Remember when the Lord was watching them and they were putting in to the treasury? Do you guys remember that? The Lord was watching. And you're like, oh, God's not going to see this. Oh, he saw. Reminds me of that guy who was talking to his son. And the father said, man, that wasn't much of a service. After the church service, they're, oh, that wasn't much. And the son says, well, it wasn't bad for $5, Dad. God's watching. This widow, she put in two mites. And he saw that it was all her livelihood. This guy over here, he puts in a whole bunch of money, but Jesus sees with his x-ray eyes, his eyes of omniscience, scrutinizing it and realizing, homeboy put in out of his abundance. And this one right here will receive a great reward in heaven. See, there's a challenge for us, you guys. There really is. You know, we go to Starbucks and we go to Jack in the Box and we've got our cell phones and we've got our, 
you know, whatever it is, man, our Blu-rays and all these things. And there's, I'm not saying there's anything necessarily in and of itself, you know, that's wrong in getting that stuff. But just make sure that you got the green light from God first. Because it's His. It's not yours. And it's not mine. And one day, we will give an account. And the Greek word for account is the word logos or logos and you know, it, it means reason. It means discourse. It means words. One day we will speak words to God. Hey, Manny, what'd you do with that, you know, $4,000 tax refund that you got? And I'll say, okay, Lord, this is what I did. And I'll give an account. I got a new sweater. <laughs> and I got a new jacket. And um, let's see here. And, you know, and it sounds weird, huh? But... In in one sense, that's what's going to happen. And so what we're trying to do as we study the Word of God together is we're trying to say, okay, Lord, you know, teach us. Prepare us for that day. That on that day when I give an account to you for all my time and all my talents and all my treasure and all my temple, so that on that day when I give an account to you of the gospel and of the gang, that I won't be ashamed. Because we're stewards, you know. I love my kids. And in one sense, I think they're mine, but they're not really mine. They're God's kids. And I love this church, you know. And some people say, well, let's go to Manny's church. It's not Manny's church. It's not Greg's church. It's not that guy's church. It's God's church. He owns it. We're stewards. And one day, we'll give an account. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2, it says, Moreover, it is required of stewards that one be found faithful. That's all. God's not going to say, hey, how big was your building? How big was your budget? How big was your body? That's not the measure of success in God's eyes. Not always. No. The measure of success will be faithfulness. Did you pray? Did you love? Did you teach the word of God? Did you make hard decisions? Were you obedient? That money, did you do it my way? See, one day we'll give an account. You know, money is a reflection. It's a revelation of who we are. D.L. Moody said this, you can tell more about a man by looking at his checkbook than you can his prayer book. Because in his prayer book, he can write a lot of flowery, you know, words. But he says his checkbook is a barometer of where one is at spiritually. You know, you give to the work of the ministry. You're not wasting God's funds. You know, if your tires are, you need new tires, get new tires. There's nothing wrong with that. But the other day, I'm driving down the freeway, and I see the sign. It says three suits for $129. I mean, cool. Lord, I can get me a new suit, man. You know, I like the way they do suits because they fit them just right, you know. And it can make me look skinny, even though I'm maybe not that skinny or whatever, you know. And, and the Lord says, well, how many suits do you need? I said, well, I don't wear them that often. I think I only need one. And Lord said, well, how many do you have? I said, one. <laughs> he says that's enough that'll suit you fine but Lord I want a new sweater and they're only like $35, 40 
And the Lord says, well, how many do you have? Well, 17. <laughs> or is it, you don't need a new sweater. But that kid over there, that kid over there through Compassion International, he doesn't have anything. Nothing. How about if you give over there? Or how about this ministry? You've been listening to them on the radio and you get blessed and you are growing through that ministry. Did you ever think about giving to them? Or how about that person over there? You know, they're hurting. They don't got 17 sweaters. You know, their shoes, they have holes on the bottom of their shoes. How many pairs of shoes do you have? But we live in a materialistic society. We're never content. And I've been guilty of it, getting more. Progress is defined as more and more, faster and faster. And that's what we're happening. That's what's happening to us. And so the Lord, I love His Word because He knows how how, how tweaked we are, how messed up we can get. And He brings us back to where we need to be. Miho, remember, you're just a steward. Oh, that's right, Lord. Thank you for reminding me. And so I will be a faithful steward from this day forward. You see, the way we manage God's money, it really does matter. The word faithfulness right here, it speaks of an individual who can be relied upon. It's those that are devoted to duty. You know, I was talking to a guy today and, you know... um, to be honest with you, he looked a little tired. He looked a little tired. But I don't want to tell him that. And you probably shouldn't tell people that. You look tired today. What are you trying to say? <laughs> Anyways, uh, I didn't say anything. But we were talking, and it turns out that he had worked all night, 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. in the morning. And he was here for first service, and he was ushering. I said, dude, what are you doing here? You worked all night, 12 hours, because of the winds and all that kind of stuff. What, what are you doing here? And you know what he said? He said, I had to be here. I was scheduled to be here. And what God showed me is, here's a guy who is devoted to his duty. Here's a guy who is faithful. Because a lot of times people are looking for ways not to show up. Just give me something, Lord, so I don't have to go today. Right? But the Lord says, that's not what I'm looking for. And one day when we're judged, he's going to be measuring our faithfulness. Matthew 25, 21, his Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. See, if you're faithful with the little things now, God will entrust to you greater things, not only here on earth, but in the millennial kingdom. And who knows, man, maybe even in heaven. And so the Lord teaches us today, I love his word. You're a steward. You need to live shrewdly. You need to live faithfully. Secondly, he teaches us that we're servants, we're slaves. And we need to love loyally and sincerely. Because look what we read in verse 13. Jesus says this, listen. No servant can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, Or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Now the Pharisees who were lovers of money also heard all these things and they derided him. And he said to them, You are those who justify yourselves before men. But God knows your hearts. 
For what is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. You know, I thank God for His Word because if it wasn't for His Word, I wouldn't know how to live life. I would do my own thing. I'd listen to Oprah or whoever the guy is, man. I read Steve Job's book. Oh, that's how you do it, you know? And I would sink. The blind leading the blind. But we have God's word. And he tells us who we are. And he tells us what we need to be about. What we need to be doing. That we are not only sons and daughters and sheep. Not only are we friends of God. There's a lot of beautiful relationship titles that we have in the Bible. But we must never forget that we are stewards. Entrusted with an element of responsibility. Therefore, we should be living life shrewdly and faithfully for the kingdom of God. That we are slaves. We are slaves in his house. We should love him loyally and sincerely. Because a lot of times what ends up happening, we try to serve two masters. We try to serve two masters. And the Lord is not really the Lord of our life you are you're calling the shots you're making the decisions we're not following our master not really and the Lord just says listen no one can serve two masters you know it's like you know you can't walk in two directions at the same time you can't it's impossible Maybe you're here today and you have two jobs. Or maybe you've had two jobs. Any of you guys, you've had two jobs. You're like, yes, I had seven jobs. Okay. You had two jobs at the same time. And you know, that's kind of tough. You might be able to pull it off, but eventually your loyalty must be established. Now, in this day, when Jesus was talking, it was totally impossible. You want to know why? Because he's talking about a doulos. He's talking about a slave. He's talking about an individual who belonged to his master 24-7. of the time. And the Lord is saying, listen, either that's the type of relationship that I have with you, or I am not Lord of your life. You see, God's got to have every single area of our life. He says, listen, it can't be mammon. That's an Aramaic word, the personification of wealth. It can't be that. You know, in America, that's the God, huh? In Philistines, it was Dagon. In Canaanites, it was Baal. Over here was Ashtoreth. In America, it's money. And that's the pool. I mean, we're never content. I know know, a lot of times money and the things that money can buy. And then you get that new gadget. And then you're empty. Huh? Because like the song said, money can't buy what he can do in your life. Jesus. We got to be so careful that we don't think. Maybe you're here today and you think, well, if I had more money, all my problems would be solved. No, if you have more Jesus, all your problems would be solved. No one can serve two masters. It's got to be the Lord. Be careful. The great temptation for money. We've got to love our Lord as slaves You know, with that heart, there's got to be that element of of just loyalty. And then there's got to be that element of sincerity. 
Because look at these Pharisees right here. And I just will close with this. These Pharisees, you know, they were supposed to be the leaders, man, the religious leaders. And they didn't love God. They loved money. The Bible says that the Pharisees were lovers of money. And I I thought about that. We even touched a little bit on Thursday about this. Man, imagine if God gave you all the money and he said, but you can't have me. Imagine how empty you'd feel inside. And these guys, that's what they were working for. They, they, they made their decisions based on the almighty dollar. And they were lovers of money. From what I understand in the culture back then, they could get paid to go and, and speak and just different things. They thought that the more money you had, the greater you were in the kingdom of God. You see some of that on television today, huh? Be so careful, you guys, that you don't buy into that lie. Or some people will tell you that if you're a right-on Christian, you'll have a whole bunch of money. You'll be healthy, wealthy, and prosperous. All you have to do is blab it and grab it, right? That's what they say. It's a lie. Jesus even calls money two times in our section today, unrighteous mammon. Some people say money's neutral. It's not. You know, I used to think money was neutral. It's not. It has an inclination towards evil. That's why Jesus calls it unrighteous mammon. That's why Paul and Peter call it filthy lucre five times. It's kind of like fire. Fire can really do a lot of damage. It's dangerous unless it's harnessed, right? And then you can warm up your tortillas, right? That's what the Lord is saying. Money, be careful. Don't serve it, man. Don't serve it. Serve me. And then it's amazing. Sometimes he'll bless you like crazy. I was reading about that guy. He's the owner of that restaurant, Flame Broilers. Have you guys ever heard of that restaurant, Flame Broilers? This guy started off his restaurant, and he's a real, really cool guy. Loves the Lord. He just wanted to glorify God. And so what ended up happening was all his decisions were based on that. How can I be shrewd, Lord, to advance your kingdom? How can I give? How can I invest? And he began to do it in many ways. One of the ways he did was he would sponsor kids from Compassion International. And, you know, as his business grew and he made a commitment to the Lord, certain amount of this, this, and then I give you the money for the kids. Now he sponsors 176 kids. Compassion, because God, sometimes he'll bless you like that. All I know is this, be careful. Money makes a great servant, terrible master, right? And so we need to love the Lord, loyalty, and we need to love the Lord sincerely. Because look again in verse 15. You are those who justify yourselves before men. But here's the thing. God knows your hearts. For what is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. You know, the Lord's talking to these guys right here, and he says, you know... You guys, you justify yourselves before men. You want to look good before men. So bad. And so you pray and so you give and, you know, you do these things. But here's the problem, man. God sees your heart. God doesn't just see your heart. God searches your heart. Jeremiah 17, 9 and 10. It talks about that. As a matter of fact, the Bible says hell and destruction are before the Lord. How much more the hearts of men. God sees, God searches the hearts. 
And the Lord in the end, he says, listen, you know what man elevates? Ah, it's abomination to me. Now, two things. It might mean the money. Maybe it's because we elevate money and God says, listen, that's no big deal. But more than likely, you know what he's talking about right here? He's talking about these men. These Pharisees, they were so lifted up. Everybody thought they were good. But in God's sight, he saw, they don't really love me. They love money. They love power. They love position. And you know what the Lord says? And here's the scary thing. It's an abomination to me. In the Greek language, it means it stinks, man. (laughs) It stinks really bad. So, man, my encouragement to you is to get ready for that day. To know that when we stand before the Lord and we give an account as as stewards and as slaves, that, man, maybe even today as a result of the study, you're like, you know what, I want to make some changes, God. I want you to have all my heart. I want to love you loyally. I want to love you sincerely because I'm a slave. And God, I want to live life shrewdly. I want to live life faithfully. Why? Because I'm a steward. And Lord, we thank you for revealing who we are. We wouldn't probably even know it. But as we read your word, you teach us. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your love. I thank you for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters here, the disciples, Lord. You bless them. You strengthen them. They would know that you are an awesome God. You are wonderful. You are loving. You are holy. You are gracious. And that they would be encouraged in their personal relationship with you. But Lord, I also pray, we pray especially, Lord, for anyone here who doesn't know you. Lord, that today you would save them. That today they would know, Lord, that although they have sinned, that God, that sin that separated from them from you was nailed to the cross of Jesus Christ. And that Jesus, you died for them. And your word says that if they believe and receive Jesus, if whoever calls on the name of the Lord, your word says shall be saved. And so if you're here today, and just in case there is anyone, it might just be one person, but if you're here today and you don't know the Lord, then right now there's that opportunity, man, to receive that gift. And right where you're at, all you have to do is say, okay, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I need you in my life. And so, Lord, today I turn from my sins and I trust in you, Jesus, as my Lord and my Savior. And if you make that decision today, God will forgive you of your sins. God will write your name in the book of life. When you die, you will go to heaven. And even as you live life on earth, you will be blessed. So if you want to pray that prayer, if you want to make that decision, right where you're at, just pray this prayer. Dear Lord, I come to you today and I admit I have sinned. But I turn from my sin. And I trust Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Lord, and help me to live life for you. From this day forward, 
I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. If you prayed that prayer, we would love to talk to you after the service today. And so um, come on up afterwards if you would like, and we'll give you a Bible and we'll help you in your relationship with the Lord. Let's all stand together. May the Lord... We hope you were encouraged by this study. If you have any questions, please call us at Calvary Chapel El Monte at air code 626-454-3414. Remember that Jesus loves you.